But I want to share something with you today that uh, after 27 years, and many of you have been involved with us for, for that long, uh, some of you look like it more than others, uh, but we've, uh, <laughs> we've traveled a long road together, many of us, and many of you have been here for over 10 years, and you were here maybe even 27 years ago when Francis and Babs were, were running the show, and all that has happened in all of these years, and I want to give God glory today. We are in a transition period, and I'm going to explain what that is. Normally, I bring a whole bunch of pictures of individual kids, but I've brought something different today for you to get involved in. So, Daddy, if you're ready, we'll go to the first one. We were getting ready to fly out last time we came to the States, and the volcano 12 miles from our house started blowing uh, ash and fire and, and etc., and uh, so all the kids had to pray that the wind would go in the opposite direction of the airfield. Because when it goes to the airfield, they shut the airlines down for three, week, or three days. And so it did. It blew. Look how it's blowing. It's blowing away from the... And that's my kids' fault. They prayed that volcano to blow the other way. Hallelujah. Go on. Many of you have seen this. 1989 was our first Christmas picture. And you just have to hang on for 27 pictures as to what Jesus has done in all of these years. How many of you believe that God does above and beyond anything you could ever ask or dream? And this, this is what God has done. And believe it or not, neither Dottie nor I have had a breakdown. The largest group of children we've ever had in one year is 527 and nearly 300 of them were teenagers so you can see the grace of God that I haven't been arrested for murder <laughs> and I think that's it huh Donnie? go to the next picture 5,162 children have come through the gates of Casa since 1989 and God has been so faithful, so very, very faithful. You know, when you feed 5,000 children for 27 years, of course, not all of them at one time, but we have averaged 450 children all of these years, and God has provided. We have never changed the menu. God always provided the meat or the fish or whatever was necessary. All of the children have been able to get an education. We average 84 kids in college every year. We now have many college graduates. We have many that are on our staff now, and that's what I want to share with you today. Go on. Now that I am old and gray-headed, O oh God, forsake me not until I have shown your strength unto this generation and your power to everything and everyone that is to come. This is my prayer and has been for a while. And you can see the gray head. But I have prayed that God would show me how to transition our children, how to bring them into position to where when God calls Dottie and I home, the ministry will continue. And who better to do that than the children that have been raised there, the children that had started with us, you know, at two, three, four, and five years of age, and today are adults, married, college graduates. Uh, in fact, there are two major players that you're about to meet that are directly tied to this ministry, family life. Go on. We have a beautiful ministry now called telemedicine 
where our children are examined every day of the week. We can have our children on television. Uh, they're standing, they're sitting in front of a monitor. You can see we'd brought six babies into the, into the room and they get on a monitor and are connected to that monitor on television. And we have physicians from LSU Medical School in New Orleans, University of Georgia Medical School, psychologists and psychiatrists, heart specialists, every type of specialist you can think of, even in Spain that can diagnose our children over the TV. We can know within a matter of moments if a child is ill, what that uh, is causing it. Uh, we can know within 10 minutes of a child falling whether he has a concussion or he has a broken skull or he has a broken leg or something of that nature. And we're sitting there waiting for the doctor from Waycross, Georgia, the, the pediatrician, to check the new babies that we had just gotten going. And here's some of the little girls and go. But I want you to look today at what God has done. And here we go, Dottie. These are our children on dialysis. As you can see, the, there's a large number of them now that are on dialysis. There's a new one that's not up there. Um, her name is a Stephanie. Go on. This is a Stephanie. She came to us in a wheelchair so weak that she could not stand up. And then, Dottie, the, all the kids in dialysis gathered around and gave her a gift. You see they brought balloons. Uh, they, they're letting her use one of their Game Boys or something like that. And all of the little girls that are on dialysis came and circled her and started to pray for her. And I want you to look at her less than a week later. That's her in the middle. That's... There are many people that come to Guatemala and they say, Mike, how do you and Dottie do it? It's not Mike and Dottie. It's what God has done in the lives of the children, even children this young. Those three girls, unless God works a miracle, will all pass away within the next two years. Uh, there's very seldom an opportunity for transplants in Guatemala. But I want you to look at the smiles on their faces. And they know how sick they are. They know the unit they live in and why they're living there. And they have watched other children pass away. And yet they have this awesome ability to love Jesus Christ. All of them are saved. And to love the new kids that come into that program, Dottie. These are the ones that have had transplants. Hennesis, would you believe that little girl, the one on, with the dark jacket on, Hennesis is now 18 years old. You can see how small she is. Karen is in the middle and Elias is on the outside. But all three of them had uh, either, uh, I think Elias's mother gave him the transplant the other two, Hennesis and Karen, it was their sister that was able to give them the transplant. Karen is up and down with her health. Hennesis has been doing great. She's now in her ninth year with her kidney transplant. So we are so blessed with what God has done. Got Dottie? This is Rosario, and we just married her about uh, four months ago. Uh, she's smaller than a Barbie doll. She's the littlest teenage girl. Well, she's actually 22 years old. This is her wedding day, and she wanted to make it very, very special, Dottie. So she had the children in dialysis as the best men, the groomsmen, and the girls in dialysis as her bridesmaid. Can you imagine 
That's how much she loves the children. They still, she and her husband come to church every Sunday, but boy, did she leave a hole in our heart and a hole in that particular ministry. And she is still in college. We're keeping her in college for, she'll graduate this year and hopefully she'll come back on staff and be able to continue the work with the children that are in dialysis gone. This is our first building that we ever built. And it is no longer there. For those of you that have been there, they tore it down this week. Uh, the meanest people I know are, are those Okies from Norman, Oklahoma. So we have a whole group of them there, and they're tearing this building down this week. Go on. There's the hospital. Glory to God. Look at the hospital. You can see how it towers over our school, over the background, everything around there. And uh, it is three stories high, as you can see. We'll be able to keep 40 children on, on dialysis in that building. Uh, so it's going to be quite a challenge to be able to do that. But who believes that God is able? I believe God is able. Go on. There's the side view. It now has all the windows in it. Go on. And these are our 15-year-old girls. I just thought you might like to know how many teenage girls turn in 15 this year. And when the girl turns 15, that's called quinceanera, and that's where the, it's the presentation. So they all wear evening gowns, and they get all dressed up, and they have a, one of the young men uh, escort them. And then Daddy and I take them to a, a hotel, and they're in a hotel for uh, two nights and three days, and they are treated like queens at that hotel. Um, God has blessed us with an administration at the hotel that gives us a half-price discount, and they serve them food, and they just cater over them. And I cannot walk by that hospital without them saying, where's your girls, where's your girls? So all of these girls will be celebrating in uh, November. We'll be taking them to the hotel. And what's special about this picture is the two in the front, the one in the white, the one in the green, uh, those are dialysis children. We had two last year that turned 15, and these two are 15, and they'll be able to celebrate their quinceanera. And that's one of our prayers for the little ones that come in, is that they will be alive long enough to enjoy some of the things. We know heaven's better than casa, but we want them to be able to enjoy the things that you know the other girls and the other boys can enjoy while they're there with us. And one of the things that is most important to us, and here's why we believe, I had an idiot from Tennessee, I, I don't know if you're from there, but I had an idiot from Tennessee, I was preaching in a church there, and after the, after the service he came up to me, and I had made the statement that it cost me $1,000 a month per child in dialysis. And his question to me in front of his pastor, and I hope he was excommunicated, but his, his question to me in front of his pastor is, why in the world would you spend a thousand dollars on a month, a month on a child that you know is going to die? And my answer to him was very simple. What if it was your child? How much, how much is your child worth to give them another month or another six months or another nine months? How much is it worth for them to feel your arms? How much is it worth for them to come to know Jesus Christ? We don't waste money. The whole purpose of the dialysis unit, and you've heard me say, the, uh, the chances of them living a long life is, is remote. But you know what? We have not had one child die. We've had five die. Not one child has died without knowing Jesus Christ. Not one child has died without being held 
while they went through the process of leaving this earth and going into heaven. And all of the I mean, all of the girls that are on dialysis, all the boys that are on dialysis are in that category. They're all born again. Is it worth a thousand dollars a month? I believe it is. I believe it is. I believe my God loves them more than I love them. And my God will take care of all of those needs. Go on. Here's one of our youngest mothers. Uh, this is Juana, and that's her two daughters. She came to us at 14. She already had two children by her father by the time that she was 14, but she loves her daughters so much. And then the next picture is our newest girl. That's her holding her baby. She's 12 years old when she came. That's her baby. So she gave birth to her baby when she was 11. That's her two little sisters that are with her. And believe it or not, last week before Donnie and I left Guatemala, the judge wanted to see her and her family and they brought him up there to see the judge. And the judge wanted to know if she wanted to go home and live with her mother. They had put the father in prison and wanted to know if she wanted to go home. And she said, no, for my baby's sake. My baby's sake. Now she's 13 years old. She says, for my baby's sake, I want to stay at Casa so my baby can have a future. 13 years old. I, I cannot tell you enough about you know, how precious that means to me. But I'm not going to tell you a lot of negative stories. I want you to see what you have done in the last quarter of a century. Go on. Well, that's, that's her, the, one, the 12-year-old that had the baby. And she said, Daddy, can I be a little girl? She said, can I be a little girl again? I've never been a little girl. So she lives in a little girl's dorm, but she has to go and take care of her baby during the day after school and stuff like that. But the, that's one of the biggest sins that I see in Guatemala is how the parents steal the childhood of their children. Go on. Here's Dottie reading stories to some of the girls. Go on. I want you to look at this picture. Anna Ruth came to us when she was less than three. Jacob came to us and his daddy, we had built a church for his father. His father's a pastor and they were so poor and they lived on a dirt floor and they had one room and everybody slept in one room and there were seven children. And after we built the church, I was talking with him. His name is Timothy. I said, Timoteo, Donnie and I want to build you a house for you and your children so you can have individual rooms. You know, all the boys in one room, all the girls in one room. We'll build you an inside kitchen and we'll get you inside water and we'll give you an inside commode. And I just thought I was the greatest thing on earth. I just said, would you, how would you like that? And he said, I wouldn't. And I said, what do you mean? He said, if you're going to do anything for me, educate my children. Educate my children. The oldest son graduated from the University of Alabama. Now, they don't give real degrees, but he graduated from the University of Alabama. All right. As we were driving off that day, the mother was holding an infant. He was less than seven or eight months old. And as we were driving off, Timoteo started screaming, wait, wait. We had all the kids in the car and we started driving off. And through the window, he handed me Jacob. Jacob has grown up to be a godly, godly man. When we get back the first, the first weekend in March, we'll be marrying them. They will be getting married. He's on staff at our home.
and one of the strongest Christians that you'll ever meet. Just a godly, godly young man. And I, I just cannot begin to tell you what you have done by supporting us all of these many, many years. But that's the result. That's a child that should be using a hoe out in the middle of nowhere, trying to eke a living on a little piece of property. And there he is about to marry the love of his life. He's been working for the last few years while he's going to college. He's been working. He has bought his own property. He has... One of our boys is an architect and they have drawn him a house and they are building a home for he and, and uh, Ruth right now. God has blessed us so much. Go on. This is the transition. Watch what God is doing. This is Gladys. Phil and Berta uh, have been her sponsor for many, many years ever since Gladys came to our home. Gladys was just a little bitty girl. She was eight years old and she was being used as a pimp for her sister. One night she came home and she was raining so hard she couldn't bring any men to her sister. Her sister was drunk, only 14 years old, prostitute, drunk. And her sister broke a beer bottle and stabbed her 37 times. She did not talk. She went in a coma for three months. She didn't talk to us when we went and got her at the end of those three months. And today she is my personal assistant. She is one of the most godly young ladies you'll ever meet in your life. She is our woman's ministry head and director. She preaches to the teenage girls. She counsels the teenage girls. Her body is covered with scars from 37 cuts and, and where the bottle tore her up. But her heart is as pure as the driven snow. Dottie, this is Sebastian. He reaches me to about right here. Some of you remember the story of the guerrillas that entered a, a village and were trying to kill all of the men. If they didn't join the guerrillas, they were going to kill the men. And this little boy dove out of a window and ran away. The police found him and brought him to us. Sebastian was our first college student, first graduate. For many years, he was our accountant. He is now the general director of CASA. He is the legal representative along with me for CASA. He is the one that makes the decisions for CASA. And that's what God has done with a child that would have been in a village that would have had absolutely no future whatsoever. And that's his wife and his daughter. Go on. This is Tim and Patty. I call him my glue. He calls himself my armor bearer. Patty was the little girl that when we got a retarded child, they told us he was retarded. He was 18 months old. He couldn't sit up. He couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. He couldn't do anything but lay in the bed and rock. And that girl right there, Tim's wife, Patty, said, Daddy, can I have him? And she took him into her home, into her dorm. She was only 14 years old. And she took him into her dorm. And three months later, he was walking and he was talking and he was not retarded at all. And I want to show you a picture in a moment. But they are there, and that's their three children. They are the directors of our transition home, which is the college boys and girls that are working full-time, going to college full-time, saving their money. And when it's time for them to leave, they'll be able to leave with a bank account 
They'll be able to leave knowing how to budget. They'll be able to leave, you know, most of them will have most of their furniture bought. All of those things will be done in this particular ministry. Go on. These are the girls that work in the office. The girl on the left just graduated from college. She is now our certified social worker. A social worker in Guatemala is not what you think of. She is the representative of CASA. She is the one that is held responsible for everything that happens to CASA. She is the one that makes all the decisions, the medical decisions, the educational decisions. She's over the psychologists. She's over the doctors. She's over the office. She's over every position on campus. That's how important that job is. She is the girl that you may remember knocked on my door one day and she said, can I live here? And I said, what do you mean? Can you live here? Where's your parents? And she said, my mother lives in Peronia and I am the only girl that has not been gang raped on my street. And I want to be a virgin when I get married. She was 13 years old. And that's her, a college graduate. Next to her is Marilyn. Marlin. Marlin is a college graduate. She's a sales rep. She is also the assistant to Anna Lee. The next girl is Myra. She's not one of our girls. The next one is Annalena, the first girl to ever come to Casa. She's the one that came. She came here many, many years ago. But Annalena is our bilingual secretary, and she helps us. Well, she's the office secretary as well. She does all of the translations and things that have to go from English to Spanish or Spanish to English. Lily is one of the girls that we raised that was abused by her father, and now she's on staff. Darkus is a miracle, the one on the far right. She comes from the same village as Sebastian does, and she hardly ever speaks. I bet she doesn't say ten words a day. And would you believe that she is a full-fledged accountant, and she is the one that handles the money for Casa? The money... For Casa, over a million and a half dollars a year, and that girl is the one that handles the money, pays the bills, so to speak. And that's what God can do. She's from a village where she was abused, thrown away, and she made it to our home. And over these years, God has given her an education and raised her up. And then, this is a miracle. This is Mario. Many of you remember the story of the girl that was raped from the time she was six to eight. Her 12-year-old brother kicked his father in the face one night when he was abusing her. The father got up and beat him so badly he broke all his ribs. During the night, he took his little girl, his little sister, eight years old, that was being abused, took his baby brother, who was 18 months old, and put him on his hip, took his other brother, who was eight or nine years old, a year older than Estella, and they walked out of the jungle two weeks to get to our house. And they told us that the girl would be severely emotionally disturbed. Today she has an MBA from Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. The miracle of this family is phenomenal. That's the 18-month-old that was on her hip. That's Mario. Now they are mother and father to all of the little girls at our home from 8 to 10 years of age. That's his wife, Mariella, who is also raised at our home. And that's Emily, and Mariella is pregnant again. Go on. This is Esben, the other brother, the 9-year-old who walked out of the jungles many, many years ago. And that's his wife, Floor, and their son, Cade. And they are the dorm parents. 
for the teenage girls, the actually what we would call junior high school age. They have nearly 40 teenage girls, so you need to pray a lot. Go on. This is the subdirector, your subdirector. That's Alex. Alex is the one that you started supporting, you know, when Brother Todd was head of the youth ministry, and the youth ministry took Alex. And today that's Alex. And look at that family. It's prolific. That's his, that's his wife, Sarah. She's about to graduate within the next year as a, as a lawyer. Alex has already finished all of his schoolwork. He's doing his thesis and that's his children. And they take care of the older boys and that is the biggest challenge on campus. Go on. The boy that was retarded, remember? Patty took him. That's him in the middle. And what he's standing in front of is the machine that is contacting the physicians in LSU Medical Center as they're about to put a child on that machine. The boy on the far left is Kevin. He graduated as a nurse, and right now he is preparing to take the exam to enter medical school. He wants to be a nephrologist so he can work with our Dallas's children. He's the one that helps them at night to give the medication to put the kids on dialysis at the house. He sees to it that all of the children are treated if they're on medication and etc. The boy on the right is Josue. Josue is the first child that ever came to Casa. And he also came here many years ago. And you are looking at me. He will be the one that will take my place. So he'll be the next poppy. I don't know what they're going to call him, you know, but he came to us. He was three months old. And he has graduated from college twice, twice he's graduated from college. He works for the University of Georgia. He is the head of telemedicine for Guatemala, Nicaragua, El Salvador, and Honduras. And they're asking him to go to Africa and begin the ministry there in Africa. But he knows that God's called him to take my place. So he will stay and we will prepare him for the day that he will step into my shoes and become the face of Casa. Go on. Here's the other brother. Remember, they threw the little brother into the van. Well, this is one of the older brothers. Candida is the girl everybody remembers. She's the one they punished by making her drink Clorox. She is the little girl that when she was 13 said, Daddy, all I want for Christmas is for you and Mama to adopt me. So Candida is our last adopted child. She's our ninth adopted child. And little girl is Deborah. And believe it or not, Candida is pregnant. So don't come to Guatemala. And Ezra's, I emailed Ezra's early this morning and I said, son, I love you. And as you stand in the pulpit today, I'll be praying for you. And while you're preaching in Guatemala, I'll be preaching at Family Life. This is a son above all sons. He is a godly young man, graduated from seminary, pastored an Assembly of God church for three years, and he is the one that is taking my responsibilities as pastor. You know, in fact, I've given him all those responsibilities. He is the pastor at Casa. Go on. This is Adam and Vilma. Vilma was the little girl that was raised at our house, and after five years, her mother showed up. She found out where she was. When we went to try to find her, we couldn't find her. She had been so horribly abused by her family, we never could find her that day. It scared the daylights out of all of us. Three hours later, we found her. She was in an oven. 
She had gone into the kitchen and gotten into the oven so that we could not find her because that's how much she remembered. She was only six years old when she came to our house. She was 11 years old when her mother came and she could still remember the abuse of the mother and refused to see the mother. And then God sent us Adam. And Adam is is just a young man that loves God. He's got the biggest heart of any person I've ever met. Just loves Jesus with all of his heart. He married her and they uh, have a child, Lanisha, and they are in charge of outreach and, and discipleship. We have a whole group. We have four different ministry teams and they bring these children out, these teenagers out to minister in the villages. They install stoves, wood-burning stoves for widows. They preach the Word of God. They have backyard Bible studies. They have probably been responsible for an average of a thousand salvations a year operating through Adam and his ministry. Next, this is Billy and Olga, both raised at our house, and they uh, they don't have any children, but they take care of the high school girls. And again, that's a group you need to pray for. But last year, we began, began the transition with Billy. God laid it on my heart. He was a college graduate. God laid it on my heart. He can be the director of all the educational programs. So he is director of education. He's the director of everything from kindergarten through high school to the kids that we have to send to special education or to, uh, we have some that go to Madris, which means that they are children like 14 years old with a baby and they're able to go to school outside. You know, there's a program for that uh, in our area. So he is responsible for the daily education of over 300 children. Josue, the boy I told you will take my place, is in charge of the college students now. Go on. This is two stories that you will remember. You will remember the story of the girl, you know, Celia. Celia is the girl that knocked on my door many years ago and said, can you take my sisters? And I asked where her parents were, and she said they were murdered. And I said, well, what about you? Don't you want to come here? And she said, that would be more than God could do for me. And we took her in. She had never been to school. She was 12 years old, never been to school, had worked for two years from the time she was 10 to the time she was 12 in a Korean sweat factory six, six days a week. And she came to our, within two years, she was ahead of her sisters in school. She graduated from college. She's a registered nurse. That's her two children. But the boy that she married, Victor, is an unbelievable miracle. A number of years ago, one of the best children we've ever had, I would still say he's one of the top five that we ever had, died in the middle of the night. He was 22 years old. He was in medical school and he had an aneurysm. His name was Byron. And Byron died from an aneurysm. We had to call the mother. And I told the mother on the phone, can you come up here? And she thought she was coming to discipline Victor because he was always a little problem. And she came up there and I had to tell her that her son had died. And as I was telling her that her son was dying, had died, Victor was 15 years old. And the mother started screaming. And Victor had a 12-year-old brother. And they were standing there. And Victor started screaming. My, um, his mother started screaming, My son, my son, my only son is dead. And Victor heard that. And he ran out of the house. 
And in the next year, he became incorrigible. He should have been in lockup. He was so bad. Eventually, I told him, you're, you're leaving. You're going to live with your mother. He was 17. I said, you're going to live with your mother. And I'll pay for you to get you. He wanted to be a mechanic. And I said, I'll put you through mechanical school. But you'll keep, I don't want you here. You're, you're devastating everybody by your attitude. Two years later, he came. And he said, Daddy, can I please come back and go to church? I want Jesus in my heart. And so he came back to church. A few weeks later, he and Celia started dating. And then we had this tremendous wedding, and that's their two children. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of miracles. God is a God that we can trust in, that you and I can trust in on a daily basis. We're almost finished. Go on. This is a doctor. Would you believe that our home has a physician, an orthopedic surgeon, a trauma specialist, and a pediatrician all wrapped up into one? Dr. Miguel Rodriguez. You know where he studied? England. Switzerland. Colombia and Guatemala. One of the 15, considered one of the 15 best trauma surgeons in all of Central and South America, including the United States. And he's on my staff. He came to me. You know what I have to pay that trauma surgeon? $2,000 a month. A month. You think he's there for any other reason but that God wants him there to minister to our children. Isn't that awesome? Isn't God absolutely awesome? Dottie, is that it? Victor, many of you may know Victor. And this is the last picture. Victor was in a school or was in a home that the Lions Club had in Guatemala for the severely mentally retarded. And I went to visit that home you know, they had about 800 children there, and I went to visit, and I saw two little kids sitting in a corner, Victor and his sister, Evelyn. And I looked at him, and God said, take him with you. He's been with us all of these years, and he left two weeks ago, and this was our goodbye kiss. He's been there for 26 years, and now he's gone. You know, he's engaged. He's got a job. And God's going to bless him. I've gone real rapidly because I want to share something with you. The transition is going to be different for us. Because we've always had Americans that have been house parents. And Americans can raise money to do birthday parties, you know, to have pizza once a month or something special for the kids to, to give them all ice cream one night. You know, it doesn't cost a lot of money. So instead of bringing a bunch of pictures of kids, individual kids for you to sponsor, I brought pictures of dorms that don't have Americans involved. And these are dorms, for instance, this is the little girls, uh, this is the teenage girls with the house parents, the picture of them. And on the back, it tells you the story about the dorm. And what we're asking people to do is... If God lays it on your heart and you want to just provide something on a monthly basis so that we can just get them ice cream or get them pizza or buy birthday cakes for their birthdays, 
You know, we're not talking about a thousand dollars a month. We're not even talking about fifty dollars a month, because we know that you know a few people with faithful hearts can give as much as one person that is able to give a lot. And we would rather have people involved or Sunday school classes involved or groups involved that look at these pictures, all these teenage girls with Olga and Billy, and pray for them on a daily basis. Put this up where you can pray for them. We even have here a little special one. These are the 15-year-old girls that are going to be celebrating their quinceanera. And so we have to get all the stuff for them, new shoes and all the stuff, you know, to, for that very, very special day. That can be a one-time gift to help us with that. So this is that's the only commercial I have for you. And if you want, you know, we have our brochures up here and we can help you fill that out if you want to help us. But one of the things that I want to tell you with all of my heart, many, many years ago, three churches stood up and said, Mike, we believe that God called you to Guatemala. My own church said, you won't last two years. But there were three pastors that said, Mike, I believe that God has called you. And one of them was Brother Francis Martin. And the other one was Lee Lamry, who'd recently passed away. And then the other one was Brother Singley down in Crowley. And 27 years later, family life is still faithful. And Lee's church is still faithful. And the Assembly of God in Crowley is still faithful. And all I can tell you is that I, I could stand up here and make you cry, and I've done that in the past. I can show you pictures of kids that are so horribly abused. We recently got a boy that they asked me to come bathe. And when I took him and undressed him, he had been burned from here all the way down his buttocks, all the way down his leg, all the way to his ankle. Horribly burned. You know how they found him? They found him because the neighbors could smell something was wrong. And they called the police, and the police went into the home, and there were five children in the home. This one was burned unbelievably by his mother, scalding water thrown on him. In the crib was a dead baby. The crib was filled with rats, and that's what they were smelling, was the dead child. The little girl, when I started to bathe her with one of our girls, of course, one of our teenage girls, and we started to bathe her. They brought her to me and they said, Daddy, look at this. And we raised the back of her hair all up and she had rat bites all the way around her neck. I could tell you stories that would make you cry. But what I want you to understand today is what you have done. What you have done. And you say, Brother Mike, it's only $10 a month. It's only $25 a month. It's only $35 a month. But that money has made the difference in the lives of 5,000 children over these years. And someone asked me, are you worried about the future? How can I be worried? Look at the quality of these young people. Look at the heart of these young people. See, I don't know. What, I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to burn scalding throw scalding water on your son in order to punish him. I can't imagine what it's like to rape your own five or six-year-old daughter. I can't even imagine what it's like to be thrown into the street at six years of age and said, I never want to see you again. I don't know what that's like.
But every child you see in that picture today were children that know what it's like. And you know what they say? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. So who best to tell all the kids? Only Jesus. I've run my race. In two and a half years, I want to be grandpa. We're not coming back. We're going to stay there. But I want to be grandpa. I just want to love them. I just want to be there. And I want to watch what God does with these kids that we put into the transition. With all of my heart, you know, to the love of Francis and Babs so many, many years ago. And then that continued love that you have shown through your pastor. It's, it's phenomenal what God has done. And I cannot imagine anyone more proud than Todd to see what God did with Alex, to see what God has done with a young man that was thrown into the streets and unloved. And now not only is he the assistant general director and will move into the position of director in five years, we will move him up to run CASA in five years. But he also came to me and he said, Daddy, I know how they feel. Can I be the house parent to the teenage boys? And he and his wife left a dorm of little girls, meaning little problems, to take care of big boys, meaning big problems. But that's the heart that they have. I thank you with all of my heart. I really do. And if I could move from Guatemala, I'd love to live here. 